Hey folks, Travis here. This is False. This week, I'm in the vast central Ontario wilderness, hanging out with family. So I sat down with Edmonton-based activist, writer, and podcaster Katie Robertson, an old friend from grade school, to talk about her life as an activist, her perspective on politics, her podcast, Outside the House, and the current state of things in Alberta. We recorded this interview back on May 26th, a few days before news broke about the children found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. So while we do talk about issues of so-called reconciliation and Canada's treatment of Indigenous people, we do not have that background during the conversation. As always, you can follow us on social media at This Is False Pod. You can email us at thisisfalsepodcast at protonmail.com, and you can support us at patreon.com slash thisisfalse. Enjoy the episode. I was like, well, when you when we talked about it the other day, I wrote down notes because you were like, okay, let you know, you said that you wanted to like talk about my activism, and I was like, oh my fucking god, like, why are you calling me an activist, <laughs> right? So like, <laughs> um, and so then I was like, why, why, how did I get into it? And then I was, you know, it re- just go down this rabbit hole, and I c- it can be a million different reasons, right? So. <laughs> I yeah. just yeah I lost sleep over it but it's fine I, I use I use the word activist the way I use the word artist I think that everyone has the potential to be it and mm-hmm. um and and if you've demonstrated a willingness to you know put yourself and your reputation on the line for a cause then that kind of makes you an activist and I don't really get bogged down in whether or not you know you're a professional or not or like you've been doing it for <laughs> yeah. a certain amount of years like if you're if you're doing it then you're doing it yeah I'm making an impact, so <laughs> yeah, you know, and and for sure that reputation piece. I actually was thinking about that too, you know, in terms of employment opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you know, it. You can go to my LinkedIn profile, and it says uh, intersectional feminist, climate crisis activist, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> social justice, you know, advocate, <laughs> whatever. It's, like no one's gonna hire me. I'm basically blacklisted. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a LinkedIn for that exact yeah. reason. It's like, what am I gonna put on it? All of yeah. my like, how ra- how I'm a radical anti-capitalist. Like, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure there's no point to me having one of those. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's I and I yeah I'm I'm really struggling. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, no, it's 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 rough. I mean, like we we talk about it a lot in um. Sorry, my phone is buzzing. I'm gonna chuck it here. That's okay. Chuck it on the couch. Um, yeah, I mean, like we I talk about it a lot with a lot of people in my life that you know, it's not like we were thriving before the pandemic. You know, I know personally, I was struggling a lot and I was barely getting through, barely getting by. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, oh, okay, so now I have permission to not get by for a while. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But then it became, you know, as you know, funding opportunities and uh social safety net started to erode away it was like oh yeah no i'm screwed like i'm never getting out of this this is just my life now is poverty so uh yeah it's it's uh you know it's it's the pandemic and it's been hard on everyone but uh well i wouldn't say everyone (laughs) well no that's true that's not true (laughs) yeah i think i think it's been hard on most people yeah many people (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm not even yeah, sure about most, honestly, but yeah, I guess, I guess like 
depends on what you mean by hard, right? Because, you know, if your life was already pretty good, like maybe you miss your friends and you miss doing certain things, but you're, you know, relatively taken care of, like how hard is it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I would say that it has affected everybody, but. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was actually talking and I hope I don't want to spend the whole time that we have on the pandemic, but I mean, it is what it is. It's here. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I was uh, the last couple of weeks, I like this word languishing is such bullshit. It's more than that. Like I'm fucking depressed and, um, and I'm so, you know, I use the term over it. Like I really had this grand hope and this is the naive naivety of myself is like when everything shut down last year I was like oh my god this is our chance like as a (laughs) as the whole world you know like remember that optimism that optimism was great (laughs) yeah like I was like this is our chance if not now when I remember saying that a lot (laughs) (laughs) and you know there were some like some early wins especially locally for me um you know and you helped me a little bit with this too like we put together a mutual aid group and not that there weren't any of those here already but it was just I was like I have to do something so that was the way that I you know mobilized myself and the people in my community mm-hmm. and you know um together with other community organizations we fought really hard to, for like tenant protection and there were like some you know small not permanent but you know impactful Something. wins i guess yeah and yeah and i was i was hopeful and yeah that's gone it's completely gone. oh yeah it's gone uh it turns out this capitalism thing is kind of a motherfucker <laughs> So, <laughs> it turns out. Oh my god. And, <laughs> oh, and I, you know, like I'm not going to lie. I this was part of this question when you were asking me this, like how did I get kind of here, you know, into this mm-hmm. space and and part of it was because of poverty. Like, you know, for me, like it was there was poverty throughout all the way up until my 20s. And and then I, I learned to speak the language of a settler, of a, a capitalist, uh, as a, you know, internalizing patriarchy. Like, I learned to speak those languages and hide myself within those systems. And then kind of just, like, yeah. turn – I feel like I turned – like, I mean, I talk about this a lot with my therapist in terms of – you know, this is a little bit of survivor's guilt in a way, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I turned my back on kind of like where I came from, because I was like, I, I would say like, fucking, you know, pull those bootstraps up. Or, um, I was reflecting on this. My aunt brought a friend over to, a. Uh, it was like Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner or something. So, you know, she was older in her forties and I was some like punk, teenager like 18 19 telling her that there should be absolutely no uh funding from the government in the arts because if so (laughs) i'm not kidding you like i fully 
and I pushed so hard. Like I was like, if people, if the art's good, people will buy it. And that's it. Like that was it. I I hundred percent like believe this. And I pushed it so hard. I made her cry. Like she was so. <laughs> you had, you had internalized that, <laughs> I, that capitalist market ideology so much that. Yeah. You know, you were letting it affect your personal relationship. Right. It was, oh, it was awful, awful, awful. And, and then yeah. I think about, you know, like my whole life has been political in some way i think everyone everyone that lives in at least so-called canada is right it's it's your it's political but you know for me it was like as a kid uh it was war on drugs like my mom's Mm -hmm. and my mom has a substance use disorder and has you know since i've known her um and that really affected us and and is why we lived in in poverty but you know so it was like whatever the government of the day was that was who we were supposed to hate because they hated us and they hated they hated us because we were poor they hated her because she had a mental health illness like Mm -hmm. you know and um and then so then from there like when i i kind of internalized capitalism I got into politics myself and to think on that part of it, what I, I, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't do anything about it if I have, what I don't remember, but it's like, what policy decisions did I make Mm -hmm. that hurt people? You know, that, it really like, it breaks my heart. I'm like, fuck, I'm really sorry. (laughs) So well, so we got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Sorry, yeah. Uh, No, this this is great, but but I should probably introduce you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) So you are you are Katie Robertson. Yes, I am. You host a very good podcast uh, called Outside the House. Yes. Um, which is relatively recent, started up, but you started up shortly after this is fall state, I think, in September, right? Is that? Yeah, around yeah in the in the fall, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you and I know each other from a long time ago. We went to the Pine Senior Public School oh and God. Park High School together <laughs> um, in the late '90s and early aughts. I don't uh, I moved, remember. I moved away in 2000, or no, I moved, I moved away in '99 actually. So that would have been the end of that. But uh, then we reconnected years later, as people do over Facebook, I think probably. Yeah. Um, and it turned out we had like similar politics, and it seems. Like, you know, hey, like this person's posting all I don't see anyone else from my, you know, grade eight class posting this stuff. <laughs> They're <so>. definitely not. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh so we kinda, you know, reconnected over that and it's been, you know, a couple of years, I think, at least since that happened. Um but yeah, so it it's been interesting to see kind of, you know, where you not where you ended up, because you know, you're not ended or anything, but yeah, you know, you know, don't I don't see you for, you know, a couple decades and then, you know, you're in Alberta. You're in Edmonton, right? Yeah, I'm just outside of Edmonton right now. Yeah, just outside of Edmonton, and um, you know, and you're you're doing all this cool stuff. You you owned a business or businesses. Yep. At certain points. Yep. Um, and you've become this like writer, activist, podcaster, artist person, which is really cool. So that's who you are. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I mean, and not. To, <laughs> is there anything you want to add? Minutes into the show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything you want to add to that? No, I think that that encapsulates it. But I was going to say, like, I, because I don't really remember you moving away, but what I do kind of remember of it and, and like 
it, forgive me if this is too personal on your side and you can tell me to fuck off, but oh, I, no, I think like, I think, didn't your parents <laughs> split up? Like, is that why you moved? No, well, they did, but it, it, that was that happened way before. Well, um, okay, because I re- how I remember it, and it, like this is, but it was that was like the biggest scandal, right? Because it was really? like because like no one got divorced at that. I mean, some people did, but it wasn't like a huge, yeah, and especially yeah. in that area. Like, I yeah, that's for, true for people that don't know. Like, this is fucking rural bumpkin <laughs> i mean it's not as rural anymore but it's still rural, no. rural mentality i think yeah oh um, for sure but like rural ontario and just yeah it's just rednecks like ever i don't even know oh, are God, you allowed yeah. to say that word anymore i don't even know eh, i say it whatever <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well i'm trying to they're try- blue necks in canada <laughs> i don't know like i don't know what we call them here yeah i don't know um, Ask, yeah jerks i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah my, my parents split up when i was much younger but i think there was a lot of um rumors oh. as to why i was moving because i had moved and then stayed at clark for a semester because there was like just the way it worked out with the new school uh when i went to coburg uh it didn't like there was just it didn't really work out and it just happened so happened that where we moved across the road was the guidance counselor at clark high school mm. she lived there in coburg. what was her name again Ms. Desjardins. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you. So she drove me back and forth every day for like from October until January, until the end of January when the new semester started. And then I went to Coburg oh. East after that. So there was a lot of like rumors about why I was being driven to and from school by the guidance counselor. And, <laughs> right. and, and like, of course, you know, you know how middle schoolers are. That's not like they're going to ask. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <They'll> <laughs> like, just make the story up. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, the, the few friends I had, like, they knew what was going on, but everybody else just kind of assumed things. And you know, it's it's high school, so that happens. But yeah, that's kind of funny that it was like the scandal because I do remember that being a thing, and I just had to be like, oh, you guys are idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I remember know. you. I'm I remember sure you they said lots the about same... me. <laughs> yeah. I remember you because we took the same bus at one point. And you and I would always sit kind of next to each other on yeah. it. This was like, I think this was the Pines bus, maybe. I'm not sure, though, because you were from Orno, right? Or that you went like, well, in that I, direction? I was in Orno, and then I was in Newcastle, and then I was in Kendall. Uh-huh. Like, I lived. And then yeah, I so even it must have been the Newcastle side, because that's where I was from, was Newcastle. So Yeah, so that's when I was living, like, with a, I guess. They weren't, like, uh um provincially run or anything it was uh, you know a friend well actually it was my boyfriend at the time that i lived with his family for a little bit and then i just don't yeah. want to say his name on that just no that's case. okay yeah that's fine yeah uh, no, we didn't, well, we don't need everybody's to like this is it, getting right. awkward but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but and then i even commuted uh i'm not sure i'm i honestly like everything's such a blur for me like my trauma has like fucking blurred Oh yeah, same bud. Almost, you know what I mean. <laughs> Twenty five years, you're like, I don't even know if I if that's the right order. But yeah, no, I have no idea what the right order of anything is anymore. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because yeah. it's just like I remember, you know, people and I remember events. But you ask me what grade it was in, or even within a three grade radi- uh like air span, and I probably couldn't tell you. Like, yeah, I don't know anywhere from grade one to grade ten. No, <laughs> no idea. Same, same, like. I just, and I feel, I feel kind of bad because I'm like, you know, people remember these lovely stories and I'm like, oh really? That, ha- that <laughs> <Yeah>. happened? <laughs> like, I, I don't, yeah. like, wow, okay. 
Yeah, but, I can tell you some terrible stories, but yeah, I don't know how many yeah. good ones I can I honestly tell you. don't. Like, it, it, I'm hard-pressed to come up with, like, oh, I have this lovely memory, you know? It's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> right, like, even when you said that, pines, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember this traumatic thing that happened. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, in that area, too, you know, like like you said, it's it's kind of an interesting political area. And so, like, I moved to Coburg in grade 10, and that completely changed my life because I went from a place where I had been bullied my whole life and had been an outcast and like, you know, someone who was really derided by a lot of people, including friends of mine. And then I went to a place where, you know, I didn't have a history and that was like, Oh, this is very freeing. I can just be who I am and not have that, not have to worry about that. Uh, Like at the time I hated it at the time. I really didn't want to move, but I'm really in retrospect, it probably was the best thing it could have happened to me, to be honest. And it's not like Coburg is better than, you know, Newcastle or no, that area, they're the same area ultimately, but yeah. Um, you know, it just, that fresh start kind of helped right at the right time. Yeah. 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 Hey, anyway, I we're not here question. to talk about. No, wait, no, we're not, oh, sorry, but I still have one more. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're in an era of dirty laundry. So did I ever <laughs> bully you? No, Oh, no, you were God. always really, you were always oh, really God, cool. Thank God. Okay. You were, you were always really cool to me. And I remember because like, I mean, maybe this is too personal, but I remember you having the reputation of a bully. Yeah. I remember like fair. other people like thinking you were, but you never were with me. You're always cool. Like we used to sit kind of close to each other in the bus and we'd like talk sometimes and you were okay. always cool with me as far as I can remember anyway. Okay. And really by that time, I should be honest, like by grade eight, grade nine, I, the bullying had gone down quite a bit. I think getting out of, uh, getting out of Newcastle into a school that was like combined with other towns kind of helped. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, no, I, no, I don't remember that at all. I was like, I can tell you probably the names of a couple of the people that did bully me, but <laughs> I don't know if we need to do that or not. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one. I remember one kid. I don't think. I mean, that's fair. I get why people. I mean, I was just so terrified. That was like my armor, right? But right. Yeah. Um. I but I specifically remember. I remember bullying one kid and and. And thinking, I I think about him all the time now because I like even in school he was brilliant, right? And of course he yeah. was like a sur- like a turbo nerd. And I just like I actually do, <laughs> and I love nerds to be clear. But um, I do remember this one time because he was like talking about black holes, and so this might identify him for some people. But <laughs> and I was like, oh my! I just remember being so mean about it, and honestly, like I oh, I just want to talk to him about black holes now, like. <laughs> It's so yeah, fascinating. Like, oh, he was onto that shit way before we were. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I okay. couldn't tell you. I couldn't I tell guess. you who that is. I really, really couldn't tell you that is. I remember. So I remember, like Doug Walton was the big, the bully that I had in grade school, oh. uh, and then he like I, I kicked the shit out of him in grade six. <laughs> yeah. And uh, from that point on, we were friends. We were good. So oh. like, it's so interesting out. how that works out sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I got suspended for two weeks for kicking the shit out of him. Oh, and wow. he was my best friend after that. Damn. But yeah, yeah, that was what that was the one guy. There was a couple other dudes in like in in the uh, grade seven, eight time. But no, you were never one of them at all. No, I always had like really fond memories of you. Oh, good. Okay. That's why I added you on Facebook when you came <laughs> up. I was like, oh, this Katie. I remember Katie. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank you. Okay, good. One last person I have to <laughs> send my <laughs> apology letter to. <laughs> 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 so you you have had a really like interesting life and you know I don't I don't necessarily I, I'm, I'll let you dictate 
what yeah. you want to say and how you want to I'm say it. I'm an open book. Wanna... It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. So I sometimes forget that other people aren't. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, oh, I'll talk about anything. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, so you, you kind of mentioned a little bit like how you got into activism, but like, what was that specific journey? Because you mentioned um, on your, on the post that you put up about how, you know, living in poverty and then not living in poverty yeah. kind of shaped how you thought about that stuff. So how to explain that a little bit. <clears throat> Yeah, so I wrote down notes, so I'm, I'm going to refer to them. But <laughs> um, So, like, the biggest thing for me, I think, like, okay, so part of it is is speaking a different language, right? Like, you, it really is, there, there, I mean, my therapist keeps telling me that there's people on the other side of poverty that are, like, good people, but I'm yet to, like, there might be goodness in them, but... Right. You know, um, so for me, it's like two different worlds and, and sort of like, I'm using air quotes, like the middle class, right. It's for me, what I witnessed and experienced was that, you know, it was safer in like material ways, but way more dangerous in terms of like rules of engagement, like yeah. the backstabbing it's just a totally different thing and the, to me it's like um you know when i was poor and and i am now or whatever but i'm not mm-hmm. as poor as i used to be like, i'll be clear about that but um living in poverty like it was safer in a communal way right um you know when i think about loyalty love compassion helping each other uh, that those are all what I experienced and witnessed. Like there's, there's a lot of fucked upness of course. Right. Because everybody's yeah. just walking wounded basically. And desperate, you know? Yeah, yeah. And desperate. But, but because of that, um, you know, something that I, that I kind of, it's, it's weird. Cause I talk about it. Like when I got to the other side, right. Like it's, mm, I yeah. don't really like to refer to it that way, but it's kind of what happened. Right. Um, yeah. It, um, what I noticed is that my capacity for compassion is like exponentially greater than anybody, especially people who have not, who don't have lived experience. And, and I think that that's sort of like what is part of what, uh, fueled my, you know, move to activism, I guess, is because I can, I, I'm able to feel that pain you know I have that yeah. pain and you know what it's like to be marginalized a hundred percent yeah you know and and um uh you know so it's kind of self-serving in a way I'll be honest and and the other part of it too it was um that unhealed trauma um mm. and me using my anger and hurt places now and this is kind of why I've taken a little bit of a step back and I hope we can talk a little bit about this but of course um as a catalyst like I was that was how I was gonna get my my justice like my personal justice and and in some ways my personal revenge you know um it was a short year ago I wrote an article and I've you know I've struggled about, I did take it down and I'm like, well, maybe I'll put it back up and then put like a, a follow-up, but you know, that I subscribe to cancel culture. And because 
I was like, yeah, you fucked up. Fuck you. You're out. You know, like that was it. Mm-hmm. And it, because to me, that was my justice. And but right. it didn't come. And you wanted that. You wanted that to happen to the, the people who hurt you. And it never did. A hundred percent. And it never will, yeah. you know, but but yeah. um, so that really fueled my uh, my work in the beginning, you know, and, and it's I've been doing it for more than a year. But I would say that the pandemic was a, a, a huge, you know, catalyst for it being like, I'm not apologetic about it anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not hiding this. I will put it on my LinkedIn. So either, yeah. you know, I'm part of this or I'm not, I don't care, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think it was partly that. And, and I have seen that in the community, like the, and I speak about like the activism community, um, it can be a very toxic fucking place. Oh yeah. You know, and that's, and it's not because people aren't well-meaning, but there is a lot of like (sighs) violence, Mm -hmm. you know, and whether that's in words um, or actions or whatever. And, and I'm not, and I'm not here to say like, you know, that I'm anti-violence either, because to me, I don't, really see like some of the uh, most successful revolutions in the world have happened and only yeah. because violence was included. Right. Yeah. This is false has been on record several times as being uh, yeah. <laughs> not anti-violence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, I don't want to be violent, but I right. also, I also um, don't subscribe to that, to this, like, I don't know, like magic world where, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like violence is being, violence is being brought upon people you know, either way. Yeah. And you can either get, you can either get run over by the tank or you can start, you know, hitting back a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. Um, when, when you have a state run militia, like police, like police forces, like that's their, that's mm-hmm. their personal fucking gang. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're going to be violent to our community, well, yeah. I don't know what you expect. Like, we're going to fucking defend ourselves. Right. And I'm speaking about yeah. community that anybody that isn't fucking police, <laughs> frankly. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And anyone you know. who isn't rich, right? Who's, whose interests yeah. aren't being guided. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and even like white in many instances, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have a lot of privilege. Uh, in yeah, that, absolutely. You know, I, I've talked about that a lot. Like, there's a reason that, so I have a brother, um, younger brother, you, I'm sure you know him, Joey, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's been in and out of incarceration pretty much since like he was 17. Um, yeah. and, but like, so him and I, there's a reason that, you know, uh, well at that time it's called children's aid didn't take us away because mm-hmm. she's white. Like, you know, we right. weren't, we weren't like, um you weren't the target we weren't the target (laughs) and even even like that war on drugs thing like um we we were busted in on like our house you know like the police would kick down our door and tear up all our shit but like uh she never went my mom I don't call her my mom but um Mm -hmm. she never went to jail she was never actually like arrested um but that's only because they were after you know, someone else. It wasn't about right. her. It wasn't about her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such bullshit. Like, I mean, anyways, so 
Yeah. I mean, it's good because like ultimately no one should be incarcerated for these 100%. things. hundred percent. At the same yes. time, it's, it's very targeted <laughs> toward racialized people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned kind of early on this sort of safety and security that, yeah. that comes from being in a, in a community of other poor people. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because like, you know, some of the worst, like obviously the effects of poverty are terrible on their own. Yeah. Right. The sort of systemic violence against 100%. the poor. And if you're in poverty, you do live in a different world. You inhabit a different world entirely. And, and I had kind of the opposite experience of you where I, I grew up in a fairly middle class, comfortable uh, household. Um, and and then as I got older, I got poorer and poorer and poorer and kept being promised, oh, you get this degree or that degree or this qualification, and you'll do better. And I kept getting poorer and poorer and poorer and more in debt. And so now I'm in my you know late 30s and, you know, or mid 30s. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh it's bad you know it doesn't look like it's gonna get better anytime soon so it but it's interesting because the quote-unquote worst things that ever happened to me happened to me when i was a kid yeah and when i was in that sort of quote-unquote safe middle class zone yeah right yeah uh that's where a lot of like the the roots of my trauma go back to that time right so it's uh it's hard to like at one hand it's less secure in a systemic way to be poor but you're right i think like like I have closer friends now. I have friends now who I consider to be family mm-hmm. uh, in a very real way because, you know, they share an experience with me of poverty and we look out for each other and we buy each other food and we buy each other clothes. Yep. And like, you know, and there's, there is a bit more of like a communal or collective recognition that happens there. And it's interesting that you trade one kind of security for another almost. Yeah, 100%. And like, so here's the thing, right? Capitalism was my best friend until it wasn't, you know, and, and every single time. So this is what I noticed. Okay. So here's the thing, right? So I'm, I married uh, a a guy in the military and, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, so to me, that was like, that was the, one of the first stepping stones. And I was like, okay, I'm going to paint the perfect picture. I'm going to check all the boxes. And then I'm going to like, that was my, that was in my brain. Like, because they keep telling you, if you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, everything's going to be fine, whatever. Right. And so then I was like, okay, cool. I'll do that. So, you know, I went to college. I never thought I would. That was only like a luck thing. Honestly, my cousin said, what the fuck are you doing with your life? I said, nothing. She's like, no, actually you're doing this. And, and I didn't even know, you know, I mean, I have a fucking student loan still, like it's 20 years yeah. later, I'm still paying this stupid thing for a th- three year to de- like diploma. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't know that that was an option. And here's the other, here's the kicker of it, right? I technically was not, did not qualify for that loan because my dad, who was like, basically a deadbeat, he made money like good money. Mm-hmm. He fucking worked for OPG his whole life. Like, you <laughs> so know, that's where my dad worked. Yeah. And wonder if our dads know each other. <laughs> well, my dad's <laughs> dead now, but they might have. <laughs> well, they um, might have at one point. Yeah. But, um, he, you know, and so I lied on my OSAP ad- application and said they were both dead. And yeah. the hilarious part is like, they never even looked into it. Like what the fuck? <laughs> no. I, you, the amount of shit you ask, the amount of shit you ask for so that I can get an emergency fucking shelter check. Like you yeah. have to give away your firstborn, but then when I apply for a fucking fifty thousand dollar loan, you don't even ask me for like proof. You're yeah. like, oh, cool. You want well, one of those? We're one gonna of those make things some money for middle class folks, and the other one isn't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it. 
And that, that's, that was part, you know, I was thankful. Honestly, I was thankful from like where I came from because I had that level of resourcefulness that I was like, fuck, you know, but this is what I, that's a good grip, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, we we respect the grip around here. That's a good good grip. Like that's, that's what (laughs) I learned. Like I'm surviving. Fuck you guys. Like, (laughs) yeah. And, and that's the other part of the community thing, right? Like, um, even around that same time, I had this one girlfriend, her name's Julie, and I'll never, like, we don't really stay in touch. I mean, we're on Facebook, whatever, but Mm -hmm. she was, like, the most resourceful person I'd ever met in my life. And anytime, like, if she even saw, she was like, hey, Katie, like, are you hungry? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And she's like, okay, if you go to this office and you tell them this, and it was like, whatever story, it didn't even need to be true, but she just knew you were supposed (laughs) to say that then they're going to give you this extra, you know, whatever, like bus pass or something so that you can get here. So, (laughs) yeah. So it's almost like playing a video game where you have to like (laughs) figure out all the steps and side quests in order to finish it. A hundred. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like. And except the consequences are way worse. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred stakes are higher, (laughs) way higher. Like it's your life. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, she saved my life more than once. I, I am very thankful to her. A lot of people along the way sort of saved my life, you know. And and I think mm-hmm. I think we all have those stories. Um, before I was done high school, I lived. I was living in Kingston, and I was living in a. I didn't know that this was what it was called until I started listening to Two Chains. But I I lived in a trap house, so um, no. <laughs> I didn't actually know that's what it was called. Um, I was addicted to speed and, um, it was a very precarious situation that I was in, but I still managed to haul my ass to school. So I went to this like adult ed school and I'm going to tell you this story and you can tell me to shut up. Cause I know I, oh, no, no, but... this is great. Okay. Please do. So I went to this, um, adult ed school and, um, Basically, it's so it was called uh, in Kingston. It was called the Frontenac something, blah blah blah. I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, uh, every, everything there is called the Frontenac, Frontenac something. something. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, basically, it was a school for people who were expelled and or half like they. Um, I don't think that they call them this anymore, but like halfway houses. So like, yeah. Or, you know, juvenile, juvenile delinquents, blah, blah, blah. Transition, transition houses, what they call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so I went there and I had a teacher and I wish I could remember his name, honestly, but he, um, he's, I don't even know why he started telling me this story. I think probably because I was like, what the fuck's the point of this? Like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and he said, when I was a teenager, he so yeah when he was a teenager he robbed a bank and uh it was like him and a couple of friends yeah i know i was like fuck tell me more no (laughs) and he robbed a bank and it was a him and his couple of friends and he said and you know what we would have got away with it um i guess like they buried the money or something no one had any idea whatever like it was a different time then right yeah and um and he said, but my, my, like his conscience, whatever. I was like, well, that's, what's your first mistake, bud. <laughs> you have conscience over money from a bank. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. wow. <laughs> if I could rob a bank and get away with it, I would do it tomorrow. A hundred percent. Yeah, I totally would. And, uh, but so anyways, he turned himself in 
And his whole point was this, like, you can turn your life around, whatever. It was like, what? I, and I don't even know why that stuck with me. But here's the thing. So this is how he, he kind of, I guess, like, this was his way of paying it forward kind of deal. He said, mm-hmm. every day you come to school, I'm going to give you a dollar. So there was a soup kitchen. I don't know if it's still open. It's in Kingston called Martha's Table. And so you could go there for dinner and it was a dollar. Um, so he's like, every day you come to school and we made lunches at school. So there's another part of that community. Like it's poor kids, but you know, uh, we ate lunch. So, so I had my one meal a day with the lunch and then he would give me a dollar every day I came to school. But instead of going to Martha's table, I would eat a can of, uh, sour cream and onion Pringles, like the small one, (laughs) cause it was like 99 cents and there was no tax or something. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Because I got the lunch. So I, I don't even know why I went down this road, but I think like part of it was just like everywhere I went, despite like how fucking traumatic it was and violent in different ways, like not necessarily, you know, punching or whatever, but um, uh, the community was there and they never fucking turned their back on you. No, right. It didn't matter if you didn't, if you don't know them or not. Right. Yeah. I think that's the thing that, yeah. you know, cause I, like I said, I came to activism later and more through education and sort of being a student activist, but like, it's the same deal. Like, I mean, you know, I do a lot of work with, uh, with people on the street here in Windsor and, and like, there's a community of people and like most of them I don't agree with politically. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks who like do a lot of outreach work in the city who are like really staunch conservatives. It's very strange. Wow. But in the moment, in the moment that they're out there working with folks in the street, the moment that they're out there, like having people's back and make, and being often the only ones who do, uh, you know, they're, they're on my side. So, you know, like <laughs> those are my people, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it is interesting how that, how that happens and you can sort of, you know, uh, transgress a lot of other sort of barriers when you're when you're in that sort of shared position Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know here's the thing so then when I got out of all of that again like I'm using air quotes like to the other side um Mm -hmm. I built the house I had the kid I had the picket fence blah 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 and then my fucking mental health was like you know, I had postpartum, which turned into depression, which turned into like me discovering all this unhealed trauma, blah, blah, blah. But that community, quote unquote, community turned its back on me, you know, and then my, um, my husband, like he came home, he was sent to Afghanistan. And I was like, very, I'm a military, I'm an army wife, like whatever, right? It was like, (laughs) I played that role so good. And but then that's the thing, like, they all turned their back on him as soon as he came yeah. home with PTSD. Right. And yeah. then, and then now we see it again, this pandemic, like if you fell through those cracks, even a little bit, fuck you, yeah. you're out. Right. And so it's like everyone in that side of the world is, you know, either taking advantage of someone or carrying water for that system so that they'll be less taken advantage of. Yeah. And, and I, you can't, you almost can't blame people no, because like, no. it, what's the alternative, no. but at the same time it, it does. I mean, this is how these systems reify. It doesn't take bad people. If it did, no. we wouldn't have these systems, yeah. right? Like if it was just, if it was contingent on bad people behaving badly, then they wouldn't exist. There aren't that many bad people in the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and, but I just couldn't like, that's something that I pride myself on is the level of integrity that I do have. I, Mm -hmm. I can't pretend I've, I see it. I know it and I'm not fucking pretending anymore. You know? Um, Yeah. One of the big things that did bring me to, to this, to this, to the dark side (laughs) (laughs) was around, you know, again, self-serving, but around the climate crisis and, and, and thinking about, you know, I have a daughter, she's 10 years old, like, fuck. She came to me one day and was like, so, um, so since, you know, the world's probably going to be, she didn't use these words, but like the world's going to be fucked in another 10 years. I'm probably not going to be able to have babies. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, not under my watch. So, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and so then I started getting, you know, learning about it, getting more involved. And then, and then along that way, that message became about like climate justice, which became mm-hmm. a message of racial justice. Yeah. But that in and of itself, like at first I subscribed to it. And then when I started doing a little bit more other, you know, um, like, anti-oppressive work I guess Mm -hmm. to me that that like is still very centered on white people right it's like once we fix climate crisis then racial justice (laughs) follows so like you know and it's like okay so for sure white people are saved but what about everybody else it might actually be the other way around (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) Yeah. And 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 so that was why like even with my podcast like I tr- I just I really do struggle honestly Travis like finding this balance. I don't want to be the voice of racial justice obviously like yeah. I'm <laughs> but um you know it is very easy for me to understand oppression. Mm-hmm. You know because it intersects with intersects with so much of my experience in in poverty and as a woman you can empathize with it yeah a hundred percent yeah so like i mean i know it's not the same but you know Mm -hmm. the blood and the bleeding is the color of our blood is so yeah um well and i say that often too with my like when because i was i was sexually assaulted as a child and mm -hmm. and i think that that's what first brought me to sorry that happened to you Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, I've done a lot of healing myself, so I'm actually quite comfortable talking about it. But yeah, um, but uh, it like that's what originally brought me to feminism was this not not because I think my experience is the same as a woman's because that would be ridiculous to say, but uh, I can understand what it feels like to be violated on that level, mm-hmm. you know, and I can understand what that if that like mine wasn't as uh, guided by gender violence but it definitely is part of the same systems of violence and so it was easy for me to empathize with with people who had who had experienced oppression like that or had experienced things like that Mm -hmm. well and i mean that that experience it falls under the same like it falls under that patriarchal right oppression Mm -hmm. like that's that didn't that wasn't born out of something else like that that what happened to you was born out of that system. So, you know, and, and, and like, I'm working on the intersectionality part of my feminism because I, there's a lot of things I need to unlearn and unpack as a white woman, but um, Mm -hmm. there, 
like the other big part of that is like this isn't it's not for women it's for all of us like right it's it it's it will benefit men <laughs> mm-hmm. you know or males uh yeah. particularly cishet um mm-hmm. males like way beyond what they could what any of us could ever imagine yeah i mean ever since i've sort of made the decision to you know challenge my own toxic masculinity yeah like i could like at least at least in terms of my personal relationships and, and things like that have dramatically improved and that's not to say that i'm perfect and you know, i'm still yeah, we're all human, still a cis so. white dude from rural <laughs> ontario but but like you know it, it it definitely has benefited me in ways like it, you know where i'm comfortable being emotional mm-hmm. i'm comfortable like i'm comfortable complimenting my other male cis male friends i'm comfortable and, and i have better relationships because of that you know, yeah, I think that's like an important thing to to highlight is that, you know, it's the same with with racial justice. Racial justice benefits white people, too. You know, like oh, yeah. we, we are we are part of this. We are part of the same system of oppression. Obviously, we benefit from it yeah. in a number of ways. But the idea that racial justice will mean less privilege for white people. I mean, I've never bought that. It just means it's yeah. not a pie. You know, there's not there's not a, there's not a finite amount of it, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 sort of having dignity for every person, and I think that 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 benefits everyone automatically. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to get in a little bit to your podcast. I mean, if, if okay. we, we wanted to keep talking about these same things, I, you had other <laughs> stuff too that you wanted to talk about. So, uh, like I say, I'll let you I'll let you direct the the uh, the, the conversation. But I feel like you're going to end up circling back to that anyway through conversations about the podcast. So, um. So outside the house, yes, which you can find wherever you uh, find. I think everywhere. Podcasts. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, think much we're on Apple now, but I don't know. I mean, Apple's so yeah. stupid. It's like, oh god, it took forever for <laughs> yeah. us to get on it too. Yeah. So dumb. But eventually, you got there, and I think you're on Apple. I think so. But uh, yeah, so outside the house. Uh, so what? Why did you want to start that project? Because essentially, like, and and you you can you can uh, talk about the podcast in more detail but essentially what you do is you interview other activists and other people who are sort of uh in the community and and doing cool shit yeah uh which has been really cool to listen to because you know these aren't famous folks no these aren't you know these are folks who are just out there doing the work it's so bad uh, yeah yeah it's great i love it and i love that aspect of it so so what what made you want to start doing that yeah so that really goes back to that idea of um elevating amplifying voices that are not mine you know Mm -hmm. um the typical uh cis white (laughs) like (laughs) relatively i'm gonna say you know i'm in this point of my life like i have stable housing right now and food in my belly so you know um i'm doing okay and so um, I just, I needed a way to, to put this energy somewhere without centering myself. Mm. And, um, the fact of the matter is I am an ext- uh, extrovert, you know, uh, I like to talk as everybody can tell by now, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and I write a lot and I'm very vocal and I have no problem being the center. I have no problem where I struggle is, is letting someone else lead um, Mm -hmm. and being a part of that and supporting it. 
So to me, that was, that was a good way to do that. That was a good way to practice. Um, and also like a relatively safe way for me to, um, get called out if I needed to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, whenever I welcome a guest onto the podcast, like we always have a chat before I hit record or whatever. And, you know, I just kind of say like, here's where I'm thinking that we're going. Um, there's some, uh, you know, I just make sure that we have our boundaries are clear. And I tell mm-hmm. them like, if I say anything, like, fucking call me out you know right um like please don't hesitate i'm not going to be that typical like what they're expecting you know um the white girl tears or whatever yeah um uh and because i want to also demonstrate to other white women that this is that you know this is how you can do it Right. It's okay. Your world won't end. Yeah. Your world's not going to end. If you fuck, yeah. If you're not in the <laughs> middle of anything and if you fuck up, right. Like right. that's, that's that. I think, um, as a, I don't, I don't think that it's just white people. I think that that's a lot of like Western colonialism, um, mm-hmm. where it's like, we have, um, you know, and some of it, a lot of it is, is white people and white supremacy, but it's like, and I, can't think of another term right now but it's like you know we've we've whitewashed everything and we put everybody in these neat little boxes and like this is like homogenized you know it's like everybody's gonna behave this way and look this way and that's it and and so in that we also you know and this is where dismantling these systems like we were talking about earlier benefits us too is because we have also denied our own authenticity and fuck we can't fucking tell each other the truth for shit you know, like you, nobody <laughs> yeah. can have difficult conversations anymore. Yeah. Um, this like, you know, anxiety is a lot. I mean, I don't, anxiety is not to me. It's like, Oh yeah, I have ADHD and anxiety. Listen, I'm not shaming you, but that is not something that like is natural. That's from all of these systems. Yeah. The explosion of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. every fucking person I see, oh, I have anxiety and I'm not dismissing or, or, um, or just dis, uh, diminishing mental health, you know, illnesses at all or, or, or just, uh, executive dysfunction. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's not natural, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you, this is not a chem. this is not a chemical imbalance in your brain or to the extent for, that it is, yeah. it's not a natural chemical imbalance right. in your brain. That yeah. is a learned and, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a result of the society you live in. Right. Oh, the word's neurodivergent. I guess that's the 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 buzz yeah. the buzzword nowadays. But uh, yeah. you know, so like, yeah, I I went off a little off track there, but that's that that's kind of why I started the podcast. And and the guests that come on, oh my god, they just every time I get off the the call or the chat with them, I I'm so. Um, wow like I'm just so moved by by how like you know no people have no idea if you're not on it and I know that you you know like you've done some work and I call it I don't like using um these types of terms so I have to think of a different one but it's like on the front lines you know Mm -hmm. um but 
when you're there, like if you haven't been there, you have no idea. Yeah. The yeah, like this, that work that it takes to do that work. <laughs> yeah, this this came up, uh, you know, in reference to the the sort of Palestinian solidarity marches that were happening all around the world, really, mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I was at a couple of them here in Windsor. And, you know, I posted about them on Facebook and said, you know, this is an incredible show of solidarity. And like one of the first comments was from, you know, like a white middle class guy was like, oh, you don't care about COVID anymore. This is really irresponsible. And it's like, <laughs> man, if you were there, you'd know that everybody was walking around handing out masks to people who didn't have them and trying to keep people as far away from each other as possible and succeeding for the most part, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And, you know, we we're outside and we're all these different things like we. It's not as though, like, he was sort of comparing us to the anti-lockdown mm-hmm. and anti-masker people. And it's like, this is the opposite of that. And, like, <laughs> yeah. like technically it violates that law. But also, like, we were taking care to make sure that it didn't actually endanger people as much as was possible. So, and you wouldn't know that unless you were there. Yeah. And you wouldn't necessarily know the importance of that rally and why it's so goddamn important and to why, show solidarity. And why it, it trumps, like, I fucking hate that word now, but why it trumps... Yeah. Uh, covid like i'm sorry right. but <laughs> it's more it's 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 yeah like if someone get if someone ends up getting sick from that like yeah that's obviously terrible and you don't want that but there are some things that are important enough to risk that for yeah. you know yeah. and i think black lives matter last year was and and you know ongoing uh is is one of those things and and palestinian solidarity rallies as well are also that that and you wouldn't if you unless you knew outside of that, like this guy, I, I would assume this guy has not done extensive research about Israel and Palestine to know what the hell is going on over there. But had he shown up to the rally, he would have known how important it was because these were people who are like often Palestinian and they yep. were, you know, you know, just essentially being like our families are being slaughtered right now. This is not something to joke around about. This is not something to just, you know, we got to be out on the street and doing this. Yeah. Yeah. This is worth the risk. (laughs) Yeah, but I I think that, like, I always struggle with the term frontline, too, but I think that actually is kind of what it is in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it's a frontline anyway. Yeah. Um, And I think that, like, you know, it it comes with a certain amount of privilege, too, to be able to be someone on the front lines. You know, you, you have to be in a position where you don't really care about representation or employability and, like, you know, all these other Mm -hmm. things. But uh, that's why some people just can't, right? Um, but, uh, but I I like that you sort of take that, like the, the podcast has a really good, like activist feel to it. And and, in a similar way, I think, I hope that this is false does, but we don't do what you're doing. Obviously we're not necessarily talking to, uh, like doing interviews very often, but, uh, but I do, I love that it kind of feels similar. Like it feels like, yeah, this, Mm -hmm. this podcast actually is doing something like it's, it's, it's just a podcast, but maybe it's helping start other conversations or or at least illuminating conversations that are happening and action that's happening in the community. Yeah. Sometimes I worry, you know, this is why I haven't been writing as much as I was before um, because I just feel like, you know, it's that preaching to the choir. It's like, like is someone outside of our, us really listening, you know, are those conversations really taking place outside of the, the people that have told me that they've listened to my podcast are, you know, racialized people, queer, uh, Mm -hmm. or, you know, similar 
to you. We're already and, already on the left. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so like am I really like moving any needles here? I don't know. Um I do mm-hmm. think that there are some conversations that have been had that are like you know, I I particularly like when I think about the realm of harm reduction, I don't think that that's something that um is uh talked about enough talked about enough yeah or like even <laughs> At least in the proper ways yes or or implemented yeah. enough you know yeah. um even in our in our communities so i think that um you know i do think that that that's important and i try to have those conversations pretty frequently yeah um, it's, it's interesting because you bring up you bring up audience and I, I say this sometimes too because you know I get pushback sometimes from friends and family about the podcast and you know because we're we about don't what? We're, well we're kind of assholes you know and sometimes we yell at people yeah uh, I love know, like, it though <laughs> <laughs> like we yell at politicians and when you're in a small city you've got friends who know people and family who know people and it's and it's, it, you know, it's come back on us a few times where like people will be like, you know, I get what you're saying, but why do you have to be such an asshole? Why do they have to be or, dicks? Or, <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, and you know, people like, you know, Reno, like, I always use Reno because he's literally why we have the oh name. Oh my God. Balls. I always call um, it Rhino. <laughs> Rhino, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, for, for someone like that, who's, you know, he's a small city, city councilor, and like, he's not ultimately that important in the grand scheme of things. But like, I'm not yelling at Reno. Yeah. I'm yelling I'm yelling about Reno so that people who are sitting at home or sitting elsewhere may be afraid to do that. Like maybe they have some of the yeah. same feelings, but they're they don't really want to talk about it. Maybe they don't want to challenge it because they think maybe Reno's a good guy or whatever. Maybe that gives them the confidence to like actually go and email him mm-hmm. you know and say hey motherfucker th- what you're doing is bad you know yeah uh and and like I, I always say that like my audience isn't the powerful people i'm pretending to yell at through the microphone yeah. the audience is the people who are like i was a few years ago where i would watch activists who were a little bit older than me do that yeah and go damn i wish i could do that yes. and they gave me the confidence to do that and i think i think that that's that sort of audience orientation is important so i think when you're bringing on these activists and it's other activists listening to it or other people who maybe are thinking about being more active, it might give them the confidence to actually go and start doing something. And I think that that is a really important aspect of solidarity that, that, uh, you know, media can be used for. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That is something that keeps me motivated, honestly, is yeah. When I get that feedback where it's like, I've had people come to me in the last year and say like, thanks to you, I did A, B, and C. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, direct action, mobilization, whatever it was, um, volunteering even. And, um, and, and that's what, that's what ultimately keeps me doing any of this because like you said too getting started in this it's fucking terrifying like yeah <laughs> and there are consequences yes. there are absolutely yes. real consequences i've lost you know? my home because of it yeah. you know i've had to move i'm i'm basically unemployable you know mm-hmm. i have i have someone that i'm thankful like i'm doing some work for with right now and honestly like I don't think she sees all my posts because I question every day. I'm like, why are like, why does she want me to work for her? Like, <laughs> yeah, some know? people just don't care. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I haven't found many yet. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't. Like, know. I got ostracized from academia, which is apparently where 
all the activist Marxists are, but it's like, I haven't found many of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, in my experience in academia, it hasn't been that. Well, um, but yeah, there, there are real life consequences to being an activist. And I think that, so that barrier, um, you know, when you see other people doing it and thriving in spite of it and actually making a difference in their communities, yeah. uh, I think that that's a really important thing to remember is like, oh, I, you can be this. You don't have to be a capitalist to, you know, survive you know it helps maybe but yeah. <laughs> you can do it there are other ways to do it yeah no 100 percent. i mean you have to definitely like give up lots for it um sure and but like a lot let's, of aspirations <laughs> yeah i mean okay so here let's take let's i have a good example here and i've been trying to wrap my brain around this a little bit so um you know you mentioned earlier i'm a business owner i've mm-hmm. been i've had businesses since 2008 like in all kinds of forms franchises started my own stuff um you know consulting whatever um Mm -hmm. the and and in the last two years that's when I really was like fuck like we if we don't I can't be anything but anti-capitalist like I cannot continue to harm other people I will not support this system, but I also a love business. Like I love it. I love the, like, um, you know, my, that's just the way my brain works. I love the creative side of me. I love being strategic. Like there's all kinds of things that it benefits, you know, um, me, but, Mm -hmm. and so then I was like, okay, how can I reconcile this? Like at the end of the day, I'm still feeding into the system by having this business. Mm. So, um, were you a sole proprietor or, or like, I was incorporated. So you, you had employees then at various times. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, it, it, I've never, I've never paid myself. So I can't say like, Hey, um, you know, I paid you this. We all got paid the same, but ultimately like my staff have always been paid more than me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, you know, I always, okay. So, so that's part of it, right? It was like, okay, uh, the way I want to do this, like how do I still, you know, kind of work within this system, um, but change it and empower people like, okay, maybe you can't be an activist and you are a business owner, but you feel like, you know, you're ready to kind of like make this switch. There are ways that you can be a business owner and be anti-capitalist. Like that's possible because at the end of the day, we all have to, like, we are all going to, we don't all have to work. Like it's kind of bullshit. All these fucking middle yeah. management we jobs. We actually really like, don't. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> actually we, could auto, we could automate almost everything almost at this point if we really wanted to. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, and yeah, I'll come back to that. But um, so, so my first company, like one that actually I had for like a few years, um, we made it so that. I mean, I couldn't change the incorporation. At least I don't think I could. I never like asked a lawyer or anything, but I changed it so that if there were any profits, which there never were, but um, they would all go to indigenous um, climate action organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, we see other, other examples uh, like the co-ops, 
when they're not yeah. like i mean there's some co-ops that you're like wow like this is not mm. <laughs> i don't think Co- co-ops aren't perfect by any <laughs> yeah means, they're not but perfect, they are an alternative but, <laughs> but they are an alternative yeah. and then um yeah. And yeah, and then like just thinking about like, do we really need to work as much as we do and, and setting those standards, like, if you are a business owner, you get to like, we get to change this culture, we get to say like, hey, and I tell all my staff, like, you don't have to come into the office, no one ever has, but there is one available if you like, like that kind of thing, you know? Um, and, or if you feel that you need structure, cause some people do. Right. So cool. Yeah. I'm definitely one of those people. I need to have a place to go to work. I can't work from home. Right. This is yeah. not, the extent that I can work from home is making this podcast and that doesn't really count. Right. So like <laughs> for sure. And, 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 but then the other thing is like, uh, there wasn't, it was like unlimited vacation. It was unlimited sick. You didn't ever have to explain to me why. You know, and it was very interesting to watch, like when I would have a new employee in the beginning, it you could see like that they came from <laughs> the other side. Yeah. I'm using quotation, you know, and the like, oh, I can get you a doctor's note. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, no, it's none of my business. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and did that affect my bot our bottom line? Absolutely. Like we're yeah. did we have the same capacity? No. Did I give a shit? No. Because guess yeah. what? We were all happy. Right. And fucking And you still healthy. ultimately owned, you still owned the asset, right? Which is a really important aspect of, of business ownership. Because, like, you know, you'll hear sometimes restaurateurs will talk about that. Like, well, I don't make any money. And it's like, yeah, but you own, you own the asset. Yeah. Like, well, let's be clear here. Like, I, my bills were paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, there's a lot. It's like that, that fucking, that's such bullshit. I hate that you know it's like oh, well, I, you know i'm not saying i didn't get paid like uh like i didn't make any money like those are two different things you, yeah you were <laughs> you were able to survive and and have like good living a yeah. very good yeah. living i i yeah, was, you just you just weren't you just weren't banking in a hedge fund 100 100 percent. yeah right like um i paid my all my bills out of my business account which you know like my accountant had to fucking deal with this huge mess at the end of it and they hate that kind of shit but i was like well i'm like and but you know if it to me the way i looked at it is like if i'm not here this business doesn't exist so you guys figure it out like (laughs) (laughs) just make sure it keeps going that's the only yeah um yeah but yeah i don't i don't know i struggle with it a lot honestly i do and and you can't you know, I've, I've heard some of your um, discussions around, you know, that small business owner thing. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly like, um, I don't disagree with a lot of what you, what you've said in terms of like that woe is me. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, but I will like say that it was very hard at times, especially for me, because I was trying to create this culture where it was like, we're not right. overworking. Like it was like, I don't ever want you to work more than six hours a day. And even that's like too much. Right. That was my mentality. Like, fuck that. Like we're taking naps and like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, but, and so it did make it very difficult. Like I want to pay them all more, but there's like, I can't physically can't, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, unless we change, like, unless we are, you know, changing that business model to that more of like, like churn, grind, whatever. Right. Or, and then, or yeah, the co-op too. Yeah. Which doesn't always work in practicality, right? Like it just, 
And, and, and that's not the fault of individual business owners. That's the fault of capitalism. Right? 100%. Like, it's designed that way. It's not, yeah. you know, like, like we're, we're hard on small business owners. I think, I think they, they deserve to be, you know, yes. bricked up with coals a little bit yep. because in our society, we have this idea that they are the unimpeachable uh, innovators of the planet. Yep. And that's just simply isn't true. It's never been true. Yep. And, but that doesn't mean there aren't individual small business owners that like do their best within that system. I mean, like, you know, one of my better friends who I know listens to every episode of the podcast owns a cafe over here in the West End. And yep. like, you know, he's a former IWW member and only isn't now because he owns a business and can't be. But, you know, like, and I don't think he takes personal offense to it. No, so I yeah. think it, it's, it's, uh, but it is something that like, you know, as a society, it's kind of like the all landlords are bastards things too. It's, and, or all cops are bastards. Yeah. You can extend it yeah. that, to that as well. Uh, it isn't saying that, you know, your uncle who is a landlord is a like piece of shit, but it does say that they are partaking and, and benefiting from a bastardized system. Yeah. Right? That Which whole, is what we like, mean by all whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is this, what we mean by the all whatever are bastards. It's, it's that like they are taking advantage <laughs> of a bastardized system. Yeah. Oh, and to yeah. be clear, I did, I wasn't in no way implying not all small business owners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. I know that you're. I know that that's not your, yeah. your jam. <laughs> yeah. No. Like I. I. I'm. Uh. Yeah. That was it. But it really is kind of like, I. In fact, I agree with you in the sense that it is up to business owners that like mm-hmm. we that they be the activists that they be the advocates for their staff like what yeah. you know it's like allowing their staff allowing their staff to unionize even yes. encouraging it, yes right yes. like 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 having like whatever like we know this system sucks but there are things that help it like yeah. unionization or yeah. or maybe it is like trying to switch to a co-op model long term yeah. like you know that like there there are ways that you can you cannot stand in the way of your workers organizing that is a big thing that would help a lot of small business owners you know, make it into our good graces as it were. Right. Mm -hmm. Like as much as they can, it's like, yeah, just allow your workers to unionize and then, and then they have power within the workplace Yeah, and that's really what you want. Right. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I think I think I was thinking about that actually earlier, um, like a renters for renters unions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, how could that, what the, what, like, how do we sell that? Not that I should have to, which is kind of bullshit, but it's like, I'm all about, I'm, I, you know, I, I took PR. So, I mean, (laughs) um, I'm not, I have a communications background. I know what what I'm saying. So I'm always like, (laughs) okay, so like, how do we sell this? But, um, you know, and it is, it's like, okay, there's like this, to me, a, a renter's union actually benefits the, the landlords greatly in terms of like, um, you know, I'm thinking even if if you got to the point, say, like someone can't pay their rent, well, we have this fucking pool of money that's just mm-hmm. for that, you know, or um, so like that's always covered or there's like mm-hmm. this mutual whatever beneficial relationship. And that's what it should be mm-hmm. like. This is. And yeah, you know what? All fucking landlords are bastards. I'm sorry. I yeah. don't give a shit. Like <laughs> yeah, housing really should not be for no. profit. And don't no. fucking give me that line. Like, well, I don't, I don't make any money. It just covers my mortgage. Yes, you do. Like yeah, fuck well, off. You own the fucking asset. Yeah. 
And also, like I like I, I remember I converted my friend to an all landlords or bastard thing in like two minutes because he was he was saying, well, what if I like got enough money together? I was able to buy a house and then I was able to rent out that house. And he's like, would that make me a bastard? And I, I said, yeah, it it would. And you know, he was like, well, why? And it's like, well, because you are you are preying upon people's need to be housed yeah. in order to profit. And he's like, what if I don't make a profit? It's like, okay, well, let me ask you this. If if someone's paying your mortgage and paying all of your bills for the house, why don't they own it? Yeah. And he was just like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because you had the access to the credit to get the mortgage. That's the only difference between you and the person you're renting to. Yeah. And, you know, like that, that is part of this whole scheme of capitalism, right? So like sometimes it is just even even for people who are kind of on the fence about where they sit on this kind of stuff. Sometimes those like simple arguments can really work, right? It'd be like, well, like, yeah, if this, if this family is living in this house and they're paying the landlord's mortgage and they're paying for all the bills in the house, like, give me the argument as to why they shouldn't own the house. Yeah. Isn't that what a home ownership is? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And okay. And just to uh, add to that, it's not just capitalism. It is colonialism. It's white supremacy. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. you know, black, indigenous, um, people of color racialized people they cannot fucking get mortgages or have the same amount of credit um mm -hmm. you know disproportionately so i'm not saying every single one of them but um yeah you know compared to white people being able to access that and to be able to access real estate so so even just that like it's it is capitalism but you can't it's they're not mutually exclusive like this is yeah it's all of those systems acting as yeah. like to me it's all one right and that's I, uh, yeah that's what i was just gonna say is yeah. that like i've taken to calling it colonial capitalism because yeah. it is part of the same project yeah right right um and it, it get it you know you can't separate racial domination from capitalism it's just not possible the two are are, are the same system operating in tandem yeah yeah and you know so i i guess like to, are you do we have like a time limit or do we just like talk until we're out of breath not particularly i mean usually our episodes are like an hour to an hour and a half okay so we're at one we're at 112 so I'm now like we can... just ramble it on <laughs> we can we can go 15 20 minutes if okay, you want cool um yeah so like i i i would love to talk to you about this and only because i i think that you're like slightly smarter than me in this regard but oh, um no on, no um yeah but like okay so what's happening um with pal in palestine um you know i was talking with a friend and and i might be completely wrong but to me like that is what we're doing here like we are yeah, like canada true. is israel <laughs> Right. If like, you want to, if you want to, like, if you're like, you know, how did, like, I, you know, because I've, I've had people come up to me, you're like, really, like, how, how would people come over to this, to this, uh, this landmass and just dominate another people like that? That just wouldn't happen. And it's like, well, we're watching it happen right yeah. now in Israel. Yeah. Or in Palestine. Yeah. With the, with the Israeli, like, literally, people were, like, thrust onto a land and told to take it over. And that's what we're watching happen. Like, like it's it's like uh, Canada in the 1700s, um, but with more advanced technology, yeah. basically. Yeah. Right. That's the stage they're at. They're in the stage of still eradicating. Uh, whereas in Canada, you know, not that 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 process is complete, but in terms of establishing like a homogenous government and all that kind of stuff that exists on every corner of 
Canada, so-called Canada, yeah. that process is more or less complete in a way where Israel-Palestine is not. But we're watching it happen right yeah. now. It is the exact same process. Well, and when we talk about even that level of completion, like we, uh, like the settlers, uh, were relatively, like we were successful in genocide, right? Like, so yeah. it's like, that's what we're watching unfold right now is that is the genocide stage of that like mm -hmm. um, and it's you know even even when the, the motivations right yeah like uh the reason israel exists is because the united states needed an, an ally in that region in order in order to secure resources which is the exact same reason why europe colonized north america mm -hmm. it, it's there's there's not really even it's it's the ongoing colonial capitalist project right and and it's just it's just a different part of the world where it's being enacted. So I'm not wrong in like drawing these parallels. No, they're to me. I mean, this is why I think you see so much solidarity between indigenous movements in Canada and Black Lives Matter and the Palestinian uh, movement for freedom because they're they're the same fight. Yeah, they're the exact same fight. They're fighting colonial capitalism. Right. Yeah, which is so you're like, not wrong or, on that. Yeah, at least which, not in, not in my view. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, someone might disagree, but I probably won't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, me neither. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, to me, that there's that whole like land back decolonization. Mm -hmm. Like, we can we can go about this like in a in a peaceful way, <laughs> or yeah. you know, we can just keep carrying on and and expect. Okay, and so here's the other thing, right? It's like every civilization ever, like, has fucking fallen. So <laughs> at yeah. some point, like, this so-called civilization mm -hmm. is going to fucking collapse. So, like, how... Yeah, we're, watch we're watching the, the collapse of... You know... I mean, we're in the middle of a great extinction. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a lot more going on than just empires collapsing yeah, at this point. Yeah, right? Like, and well, <laughs> and I think because, like, a big part of that is globalization, right? It's like, before, yeah. those, they were, there just were, like, little pockets. It wasn't an entire... Yeah. But now, we're, like, globalization like, has created that, that, mm -hmm. like, you're there saying There isn't... The, the person I'm dating... Uh, she she came to me and said, you know, if you could go anywhere right now in the world, where would you go? Like that sort of standard question. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I don't know, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, where's the place where capitalism hasn't completely fucked yes. things up? Like Cuba, I guess. But even then, like, they're also a victim of it. So, like, yeah, I don't know. They're Mars. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but see, that's the thing. I don't. The space, the space thing, really fucking grinds my. Oh yeah, gears. yeah. Like yeah, I just, I just meant in, yeah. in sense of like yeah. you're getting away from it. it. There isn't a getting no. away from it. You know, there isn't a place you can go to escape colonial capitalism. It is in every corner yeah. of the planet, even where it's not in places like Cuba. They're still affected by climate change, by the embargoes placed on them, by like by that system at large, right? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, and like no space. Like I'm not into fucking colonizing space. Like, oh my fucking god, you guys haven't fucking destroyed enough, Jesus. Well, I mean, I would like it if we could just get all the fucking rich people onto a rocket and send them into space. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty Bye. dope plan to me. <laughs> get the we fuck just out let, of here. We See let ya. them all leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We should just encourage them all to go to Mars. Like. Sounds like a great plan, Elon. Yeah, get up on that fucking rocket. <laughs> you and five hundred of your best friends. <laughs> yeah, the one percent. Five hundred richest people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
it's your buddy Jeff and your buddy Bill. And yeah. Get up there and fuck off forever. Yeah. Here's a bottle of champagne. <laughs> yeah, we'll even pay for it yeah. for you. Just get the fuck out of here and don't come back. Yeah. Our mutual aid group has put together enough money to buy you this bottle of champagne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Just so much. There's just so much was- to unpack. Okay. I just want to talk. You want to talk. Let's talk a little bit about the Alberta thing. So, um, yes. Yeah. yeah let's do that. Yeah. yeah so, so, so you, you live in Alberta, which. Yeah. Speaking speaking as someone who's never been to Alberta, yeah. um, there's this sort of perception uh, that I'm sure you're very aware of because yeah. you're from Ontario, yeah. that Alberta is like this weird backwater Texas of Canada <laughs> kind of place, right? Because it's generally run by these like rabid conservatives and, you know, like there it's an oil-based economy and like, you know, there's there's all these sorts of like parallels but I mean, I always reject those sorts of things because there's always people everywhere who aren't, who aren't that. And just because their leadership is that doesn't mean that they are that. But, uh, you know, Alberta's response to COVID and Alberta's, you know, ongoing attachment to the oil industry mm-hmm. uh, from the outside, just is like, what in the fuck is going on in that province? Um which I mean, you've mentioned before to me the the Alberta advantage. I think it might have been you that told me about that podcast originally. Yeah. Um, which is a great podcast for trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in Alberta. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from your perspective, uh, what the fuck, what the fuck's up with Alberta? <laughs> What's going on out there? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So here's the thing, right? You know this about Toronto, like anybody that. Everyone's like, oh, you think you're the center of the universe. Because, like, I was born in Toronto. And fucking right I did. I still think the center of the universe, honestly. like, <laughs> and, and I'm so thankful that I was born there because, like, the it is truly, I mean, I have not visited every place in Canada, but I have traveled across the entire country and been to Northwest Territories and all of the major cities and... Toronto is definitely the most like multicultural. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Like inclusive. I'm not saying it's perfect. Like it's still got its yeah. own, yeah. like we're watching uh, so much shit unfold in Toronto right now. Holy fuck. Yeah. Right. Like the, but I mean, well, and take it, but taking it as a whole, right. Yeah. Like, you can't blame any city no. for, you know, the existence of a shitty mayor. <laughs> Or, right. You know, yeah. And like, that's not that's not the fault of, of the people who were there. And similarly, okay, so that yeah, so let's if we zoom out a little bit to Alberta, yes, it is the fucking Texas of Canada. Um, there's a lot of fucking entitlement. There's a lot of people and and okay, this is not gonna come out correctly, so you'll have to give me the, the like allow me to explain myself. Um, there's a lot of uneducated people making a lot of fucking money. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think that everybody deserves to make good money and should make yeah. good money. I don't, that's not at all what I'm implying, but the power yeah. that they have right. is like, because they're in the oil and gas industry and see here, here's where like the unions here are very dangerous. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not helping, you know, in a way they're helping their workers, but they're not in the long run. Like we need no. them to be the mobilizers right now, especially in the climate, like, you know, um, container. 
and and they're not you know they're staying silent and again carrying that water like it's like um they uh it are just very dangerous and mm-hmm. and uh and then now we've got this conservative government ultra uh, conservative. <laughs> well, and now we have this huge drama. So Jason Kenney is our premier. Uh, mm-hmm. He is now like his leadership is being called into question by his party. Like there's all this fucking drama going on. And he's actually, you know, kind of now being held to like, you know, account a little bit. Cause he's honestly like he um, he's, you know, pretty much a lifelong politician. Um, he, yeah. very problematic. Um, you know, he's done a lot of, yeah, he had tie, he had ties to like rebel media before he rebel media. Though, he's done like a- lots of anti-abortion work, like just yeah, yeah. like he's a, he's a straight up, like pretty open white supremacist, at least in his past, yeah. whether or not he still, you know, is open about it. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> do, he doesn't, um, like, what is it? Uh, not condone. It's the other one. <laughs> yeah. You're like doesn't no, tell them not to be racist, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever that word is. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, and so like, so there's like tons of drama around that because you know, all honesty, like, so when the leadership race happened, because what happened was we had we used to have a conservative party, and then we had mm-hmm. the Wild Rose Party. Yeah, and yeah, um, it was like the uh, the Canadian Alliance Conservative Party split. Yeah, on the on the on a provincial level. Yeah, yeah so. The conservatives, um, not this last election, the one before that. Okay, so here's the thing about Alberta. 40 years of fucking conservative government, provincial. Yeah. 40 fucking years. And then this, so this is just to give you like the idea about the type of attitudes in this province. Like if you make them upset, they will fucking have a tantrum and vote in a fucking majority NDP. Like they, they, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, they're like, fuck you. We're going to teach you a lesson. And they will, like, they will, even if it's like not even in most of their best interests. Yeah. You almost have to respect it in a weird way, (laughs) you know, you know, it's ballsy for sure. Because in Ontario, we just keep electing the fucking liberals. Right. Yeah. Every every once in a while, a Mike Harris or a Doug Ford squeaks in. Right. Oh my God. Mike Harris. Holy fuck. That's crazy. That's like, I I think, I think we both, we both experienced obviously the same strike in grade eight. Yeah. 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 So, um so the NDP got in and then what ha- the Wild Rose and Conservatives merged and became United Conservative Party. So so then Kenny went around the whole province and here's here's where he like fucked himself because he went around this whole province and met with all like you know not all the people but whatever their campaign trail is and most mm-hmm. and he focused a lot on rural. And what he did is he went and he sat there and he pretended that he was one of them you know yeah and he told them what they wanted to hear and then i like i mean i'm sure he maybe he did this like out loud but walked away and he's like those fucking idiots i can tell them whatever i want and then i'll just do whatever i want Mm -hmm. and that's where he gets goes wrong fucking rural people are not stupid right like they might have like small little worlds (laughs) but they're not stupid and like and and even if they are stupid you don't get to call them stupid (laughs) right like (laughs) they yeah i mean like i I mean that's that's i grew up around those people yeah i mean yeah to a certain extent right like 
there's you know my my grandparents as they are they're not they're not stupid they may have really small worlds yeah. like you say but they're not uh you're not you know you can't fuck a fucker yeah yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so and you know that's that's pretty much what he's done so so that's where we're at right yeah. now we're looking at this leadership thing and then we're talking about like reopening bullshit whatever here's the path <laughs> forward and so he his his strategy hasn't been much different than ford's honestly um right, yeah it's a, they've been yeah i've been watching that it's sort of been a mirror image yeah like they kind of just like hey what are you doing oh okay i'll try that yeah. this week yeah um you know and but but this is what i find so interesting and it's it's kind of the same language around like blaming people for poverty right like mm-hmm. like uh they that blaming people for this co- like for co- it's like excuse me like you fucked up like let's be very yeah. clear here where the responsibility lies and it's yeah. not on fucking individuals who were forced to go to work no, like they do the same shit here. It's like, know? oh, young people, like yeah. yeah, young people have to fucking work, you asshole. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> at the same time you're cutting our benefits and telling us we have to get a job. You're also telling us to stay home. It's not a yeah. consistent fucking message. Yeah, like so that <laughs> you made a video on TikTok and I and I like word for word I could copy it and I did. I actually posted it and then someone <laughs> reported it. <laughs> my video, my video didn't stay up for more than like thirty seconds. Tell me you live in Alberta. Oh my god, right? It's so brutal. <laughs> we have some really great activists here. And like here's the other thing that's really interesting about Alberta and Edmonton specifically though. So the the uh BLM march last year, we had over fifteen thousand people. It was the biggest fucking BLM march in Canada ever. Yeah. It was huge. Right. And then media ignored it entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, so the, the, um, we had, uh, one of our Palestine gatherings on the weekend on Sunday. And, um, I didn't get to go because I had my daughter and I just, she doesn't, I don't, I try to bring her to activism stuff, but I also don't like forcing her. And she's like, not into she's it she's not really at the age yet yeah that's the thing she wants to do <clears throat> but probably, but yeah. we still talk about it right so i want to be clear like yeah. there's it's not like i'm not like oh she's too young like no that's not at all but yeah um but there was the we had the biggest uh palestinian flag like banner flag i posted it on my instagram um mm-hmm. in in north america like it's so cool the the types of like ways that we can show up and the solidarity that we are able to show. Now yeah. that does not translate to fucking indigenous and mm-hmm. and and. Are you telling me that Western Canada? Has oh my a fucking god! Honestly, <laughs> not to say that we're, not to say that we're any better. No, but Travis, like, but here's a specific problem in Western Canada. Like I honestly, <laughs> then you know this wow like okay here's the thing i was so ignorant like so fucking ignorant about all anything indigenous and and i you know i tell this story often like when in school the way that they taught us and what i took away from it is like indigenous people were like people before us and then like we kind of like evolution was like what we evolved into you know what i mean like it, it that was like that was that was kind of the message behind yeah. it, whether implicit or not. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely was. Like holy fuck! And then so and then like because of where we lived, like I didn't really, I don't think 
I don't think I was friends with anybody that was indigenous and like, or I honestly don't think there was anybody right. Or like they were white presenting or whatever. Exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know once I, once I got to Coburg, there were, there were a few more, but even in that area, like it's just, yeah. Southern Ontario. I mean, we've done a, yeah quote unquote we've done a better job of eradicating indigenous people right. that's really kind of what happened right yeah. like whereas in in western canada that's still there's still a lot a larger more visible population right so i got here and then i was like holy fuck like uh okay hi like i was like you know i was like okay this is really cool i'm so excited like i want to learn about your culture <laughs> and like be be a part of it and then like you know and then then you then you're like oh like, ah, okay, I didn't, whoa, what the fuck? Like, you, the hate and oh the God. fuck, oh, like, the violence, even mm. the legislation, like, it's so, just so blatantly fucking yeah, racist. It's mask off. It's very mask off. Yeah, what's mask off? Yeah. I don't know that. Well, just being like, like you know, and, and I think it's Southern Ontario. Like, oh, mask off. Same issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the same, yeah, we have the same issues with racism, but we try to mask it. Right. Whereas in certain parts of Canada, yeah, that mask just comes off. Well, and because like they're so emboldened, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> um, well, look at Gerald Stanley, right? Like the 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 slaying of Colton Bushy in Saskatchewan, yeah. right? It's 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 part and parcel of that. Like, I mean, I don't think that happens in Ontario, at least not in Southern Ontario. Maybe in Thunder Bay, Northern Ontario, but but not in Southern Ontario. I don't think that you know, somebody gets away with that. In the well, same way. I think they would in Caledonia. I don't, I No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, this is the thing. Uh, it's very pocketed. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and then in like the whole like missing, murdered indigenous women and girls, like I fucking had no clue until I moved to Alberta. Yeah. And then I was like, holy shit. Like I, my heart is just like, so fucking broken and the interesting part like i don't know if this is interesting but like maybe it's not i'm fucking probably being an asshole but like for me i'm and i i'm treading very carefully here because it's not i'm not trying to like do cultural appropriation but i really strongly like holy fuck like that makes so much sense like their whole culture Mm -hmm. you know the medicine wheel and their approach and beliefs and spirituality like relationship to land yeah right property yes and it's like i identify with that like that yeah i was like wow you know i've been searching on on my whole life like why do i have this fucking hole and then i and then i start to learn about this and i'm like okay like wow that's what humans are actually supposed to be like yeah right and that's the thing is i don't think that's necessarily cultural appropriation because i i say it all the time that like you know we we on the left we often wring our hands at like what are the solutions what can we do there are folks in this country who have figured the fucking indigenous like Like, yeah the first nations like oh geez how how do we change our relationship to land and respect nature gee i wonder who we could talk to (laughs) right you know like like there it's there is sort of this like paternalizing effect on the left where we're like well we have to figure that out and it's like no it's already been figured out like that like this is why like sometimes the left right dichotomy is it falls apart because you know like really what it should be is like are we are we actually talking to the people who are already living like this or already trying to live like this or resisting they're resisting colonial capitalism just by their very existence like we should probably be looking at what they're doing you know, and, you know, and I think that too is like, I've really started to, to like disenfranchise away totally. Like, I'm like, okay, like democracy, is this really a thing here? Like, yeah, uh, what, is this? Yeah, what, yeah. what actually is this? Because like the people that I want 
to hear from are not included. And, mm-hmm. and the people that I want to vote for are not included. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the models that I want to see are not here. And, and again, like, it's just that centering thing, like even with the climate stuff, you know, it's like, it's not up to us to fucking solve. It's been solved. The answer's been here the whole yeah, effing it's time. Been the whole time. I mean, you know, democracy, like you look at Israel, right? Israel has a democracy in, this, in much the same way we do. The majority of people there want Palestinians to die painfully. Yeah. So democracy wins. Yeah. You know, like yeah. sometimes what the majority of people want isn't a good thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. 100%. Like fucking whatever. I'm so all for this, like decolonization, like fucking yeah. get her done. Let's let's go for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like how do we get all those people that are so comfy in their little homes right now to fucking say no enough's enough you know yeah. i don't want to see well, I, I, th- I sisters think, killed anymore yeah I, th- I think that you know marginalized folks are are there and ready to take up that mantle it's just that finding the courage to do it in the face of violence right is is really difficult and oftentimes yes. it takes extreme situations in order to actually embolden people to act and right. That's, I'm not trying to be an accelerationist, uh, you know, and try to say like, well, that means we have to make the conditions of the world worse in order to make them better in the long term. Yeah. But like, I think that there is a bit of like the, the folks who are resisting it are there. They've always been there. And, and, you know, it's just a matter of acting in solidarity with them mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, yeah. working with them and organizing yeah. with people who are already there, already doing it. Yeah. And I mean, like, like I said earlier, this two different worlds, they already are doing that. Like the solidarity mm-hmm. is fucking there. You know, it's like, you will be taken care of. Let's be very clear here. Yeah. You know, yeah. anybody <laughs> no that <one>. fucking... <laughs> socialism, socialism means everyone's taken care yeah, of. Everybody. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. fuck people. Like this isn't fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Like we might be coming for your second cottage in the Muskoka's <laughs> and your boat, but like otherwise yeah. you're going to be fine. Yeah. And, and, and like the, the cottage and the boat will be a fucking summer camp. So you still get to go. Like <laughs> you can still go. Yeah. You still do it. <laughs> you know, holy shit. Fuck. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That, I feel like that's a good, a good note to end on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I did. I did. This, well, now I'm going to bring up a whole other topic so we can talk about it. Okay. Um, but uh, you mentioned early on about how unions are quite destructive uh, out there, at least like when it comes to like the oil industry, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is it does introduce uh, like a, an interesting paradox, right? Because, you know, unions are there to represent the interests of their workers, yes. right? At least that is that is a sort of simple definition of, yes. of a union. So what happens when the industry the workers are relying upon is destroying the planet? Mm. Right. And like and that and that I think speaks to the thing that gets missed in business unionism, which is the real problem yeah. there, I think is that there's, there is no long-term thinking right. whatsoever. Yes. Right. And, it, and it, like you briefly mentioned that, I think it's a very interesting thing about Alberta, right? There is this sort of like populist, we need to get ours uh, mentality that, that like can be very positive, Yep. but you know, for those unions and for those workers, ultimately the the argument has been framed as you either have the oil industry or you're in poverty. Exactly. Which is not the fucking truth. Yep. And like, it's amazing to me that union leadership doesn't see through that or the workers don't see through that because it's horseshit. Right. 
But see here. Anyway, like, I just wanted the, to say the, that. The, the, <laughs> yeah, like the propaganda machine is fucking huge here. And here's the thing is like, that's how I figured it out. Because I was like, well, we just have to get the unions to come on board with us. Like that was literally what I was thinking. And I have like very close friends um, who are in the trades and and you know i was like skimming through one of their trades like it was a fucking boiler maker uh trade magazine right like union magazine mm -hmm. and yeah it was like i was just like wow this is a magazine of fucking propaganda like that's all yeah. it fucking is and i don't like here's the thing is like i don't necessarily think they even know that they're like basically indoctrinated or brainwashed into this like because they are that is the fucking line right it's like mm -hmm. if you don't have oil and g oil and g you have nothing nothing yeah and it's like holy fuck what no like you guys are fucking who fed you that? yeah like who fed you that bullshit you are, you're <laughs> trades people like we fucking need yeah. you forever like <laughs> yeah you know and not only that but like you know you, there's this sort of notion that if the oil industry because you know i'm i'm of the opinion that uh the oil industry should be nationalized and then shut down yeah uh entirely and uh you know that leaves a lot of people unemployed but here's the thing about socialism and being on the left you don't need to be employed yes. in order to thrive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and so even, even if you can't retrain, even if you can't find another job, even if there's no way that you can be productive in that way, you know, you are still going to be taken care of, you know, and there's no shortage. There's no shortage of jobs that need to be done by human beings in order to yeah. fix the fuck ups that we have made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that's where the intrigue of a green new deal, not that I buy into the whole, the whole uh, thing. But uh, the intrigue of a Green New Deal is like, well, yeah, because people are still going to be needed to, like, you know, greenify or reverse the, the shit that we've done over the past, you know, 200 years in capitalism. Yeah, yeah. And like, so, and just to add a little bit to this, this union thing, to me, I, 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 I've, so like full disclosure i've never been in a union um so so i don't know but like to me i have this like ideal view of of this like family almost right that where they yeah. like take care of each other and but the thing about the oil and gas industry and lots of don't like you can fucking come at me if you want for this but it's the dark underbelly of that industry like the it's so fucking toxic like yeah huge drug substance substance use disorders like alcoholism cocaine um i mean the job is hell the job right? is hell I mean... they work fucking insane <laughs> hours they're never home yeah. they're always gone like so it breaks up That's families. going to have consequences their health like the health consequences mental health consequences and then we want to talk about them being away from their families and we want to talk about missing murdered indigenous women and girls well there's like this massive fucking prostitution ring that's serving mm -hmm. that fucking industry. Like there's nothing yeah. healthy about this. So that is kind of like what I'm interested in is in terms of like, this is a different kind of internalization and they've internalized this industry. Yeah. Right. Where it's, and it, 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 it sort of brings us full circle back to dismantling these systems of oppression. And even the people who quote unquote benefit from it yeah. are going to be helped by the dismantling yes. of those systems yes. because like, it's very much like that with the oil industry, right? Like these are not jobs any normal human being would seek to have in their life. No. Right. No. And yet they're fighting for them as though they're the only thing that's keeping them alive. And it, it's like, man, like how indoctrinated are well, we and like species? Like that we're just like, that we're doing this to ourselves and and in like not in fairness but i guess 
you know, just for perspective, like they get paid very fucking well. Like it's almost like hush money. Right. Which tells you how much money that industry is making. Oh my God. Like it's sick. (laughs) And how much money they get from our governments too. Like, I mean, how much, like I've said it a, a few times, you know, we could literally wipe away student debt with the amount of money that Justin Trudeau alone has given the oil industry mm-hmm. since he's taken office. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, I mean, the reason we have such high gas prices right now, I don't know what they're like in Alberta, but in Ontario, they're fucking insane right now. Yeah. Dollar, Near record, dollar if not 30, record. Dollar 30, right? Yeah, same, same here, which I think is like close to, if not record highs in, in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the reasons we have that is because the subsidies that have propped up that industry. So it's like, we're paying for it twice. We're paying mm-hmm. for it our tax money and then we're paying for it again at the pump. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? It's psychopathy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this, anyway. this, this also just brings me back and I, I don't, again, I'm not, this isn't to be disparaging, but like the education thing, right? Because um, like when you go to trade school, I'm not saying like, I'm, and I'm not saying that um, uh, like, uh, institutional education is, you know, what will save them. That's not at all what I'm yeah. saying, right? Uh, as someone who's spent their entire <laughs> yeah. adult life in institutional education, right? yeah, and I'm not, and, I'm not, and I don't want to be like, I don't know, I guess classist, like I'm not at all. Um, yeah. But it, but there is this level of like critical thinking where it's like, right. oh, like this is actually harming me. But but yeah. you know, and so. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I just want to save them, honestly. <laughs> I mm-hmm. want to save them all. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, it's sad, too, because if you think about, uh, like, the, one of the reasons we have unions in North America was is coal workers, right? Like, coal miners. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, similarly terrible jobs that no one wants, right? Yeah. Like, Kenny's and, trying and to bring knew- back. Right. Yeah. And they knew it. Like, the thing is, like, people sort of talk about the Appalachians as, like, a, you know, you know, this like again backwater hick town but like like the popular left-wing resistance in terms of union power started there yes you know what i yeah. mean like and i think that that's and that's something that i don't that history i don't think is i mean it is there is definitely like roots to that in the farming industry in canada a lot of the reason a lot of the first unions in canada were were farmers mm-hmm. and they were from the west and it was very radical very quote-unquote left-wing right um so it's interesting that the roots of those things end up flipping on themselves over time it's a really interesting phenomenon and i think it 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 points to something very insidious about like how indoctrinated we become in capitalism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that the capitalism is just the fucking the only enemy i have right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. well that seems like a decent place to leave yeah but uh (laughs) But this has been really great, and and uh, you know, feel free to 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 promote this on your podcast if you want, okay, and, cool. and maybe we'll we'll yeah we'll do we'll, we'll uh, I like I've been talking about wanting to start a left wing podcast network. There's already kind of one out there in, in Harbinger, and you know, maybe we can get on yeah get on there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, like we're um, I'm excited for this. So we'll we'll put this one up. If you're listening to this, by the way. Uh, we recorded this on May 26th. It's definitely not coming out on May 26th. So yeah. uh, if, if, you know, Jason Kenney is no longer the premier of Alberta somehow, <laughs> by the time you're listening to us, then just know that we recorded this a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, but, but thank you so much, Katie, yeah, for coming on. And again, uh, outside the house, yeah. go and find it, subscribe, uh, rate, review, do all the please, things you're supposed please, to do yeah. with podcasts. Yeah. Do all that. 
Do you have another episode coming out soon? Um, no. So I did like season. I did. I'm doing like season. You're doing season. I did a season one, mm-hmm. and then um, I'm recording now season two. Uh, so I'm like September season two will come out. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You're doing the, the the fall spring thing. Yeah, it's only like because that. like I just don't have the capacity otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how we're still doing this. Yeah, honestly, I admire you so much. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's only because we do this conversational thing that I think is a little bit easier to prepare for than interviews. Yeah, there's a lot. If we had to, God, it's brutal. Like we don't, I we strive to not have to edit. Like we just have a conversation and put it up. So I think that that kind of makes it easier. But yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you.